emails, goats, and romantic comedies, all on this episode of the Booterverse. Hey, Booterites, Booterians, and Booteristas, this is episode 42 of the Booterverse, and we have a very special guest with us today. Comedian David Williams stops by, Judy Scheinbaum answers his questions, and of course, we've got a Booter thought for you, all on today's episode of the Booterverse. Today's episode of the Booterverse is brought to you by the Peacock. The Peacock. Everybody always wants to see that one-eyed plumage. And now for news in my orbit. The email saga of Hillary Clinton seemed to enter uncharted territory recently when certain correspondence was made public that detailed how a female Wall Street Journal reporter made bizarre advances toward the female Secretary of State in the back of a limousine. The woman apparently grabbed Clinton's knee and asked her what she dreamed about before asking to ride in her lap. The incident was likened to some sort of strange mammalian encounter by one of the correspondents in the email chain, while another said he was laughing so hard he almost threw up. But in advance, perhaps, of further email revelations, Clinton has come forward to say it's no laughing matter. She was quick to say that she wasn't out for a spin in her lesby limo, as some have claimed, but that she was caught serving in her unofficial capacity as Joe Biden's lap dance screener. The vice president enjoys that kind of social interaction from time to time, Clinton said, but obviously we can't have just anyone getting that close to the second-in-command. So it falls on me to vet all potential candidates for the job. When asked what qualifies these candidates were being screened for, Clinton said they were looking for a clean background check, discretion, minimal tramp stamps, and a willingness to gyrate with appropriate skill to the music of Parliament Funkadelic. Clinton declined to comment on how many candidates had passed muster. But there have been reliable reports of up for the downstroke blasting from one observatory circle late on the occasional Saturday. The former first lady also refused to comment on whether the reporter has been added to the pool of potential companions for the Veep. A press corps member who was present in the limo, however, furnished her informal scorecard, which had the journalist scoring high on tactile response but falling well below average on booty popping. Clinton was asked how much she earned moonlighting as a talent scout and whether or not these skills would be marketable should her bid for the presidency fail. She said she had never been paid for her services, but that if she ever did find herself in a position to earn some money off women of loose morals, she would be more than happy to send them a bill. In other news, I'm sure you know the kind. Let your participles dangle, and they're right there to shame you. Not many people love grammar Nazis, but pretty much everybody knows they're not real Nazis. At least everybody, it seems, but the Russians. Aleski Pevlovsky, an entrepreneur from Rostov-on-Don, was taken in for questioning this week over his company's association with a spelling bee. Total Dictation is an annual spelling and grammar test that thousands of Russians sign up for to challenge their skills. But when Pavlovsky was hauled before the authorities, he said he found himself facing some terrifying questions. Have you ever received money from the grammar Nazis? 
How do you feel about people with terrible grammar? Do you have any desire to exterminate them? I had no idea what to say to such accusations. I kept saying it was just a term, but they wouldn't listen, Pavlovsky said. And they kept mistakenly calling it total dictators and smacking me in the head with a throw pillow. I felt lucky to get out of there relatively unscathed. He said they also showed him logos they claimed were associated with specific grammar Nazi cells and asked him how the images made him feel. One of them was just the design off a cereal box with an added eagle and a G in some sort of pseudo-Nazi font. It made me hungry, Pavlovsky said. The authorities in question refused to comment beyond saying that they would investigate anyone with suspected ties to language extremists. Pavlovsky's troubles are but the latest in a rash of interrogations. A woman from Moscow was called in after she was seen consulting a dictionary at a bus stop and threatened with a charge of public display of verbal supremacy. But while his experience was harrowing, Pavlovsky doesn't believe the hounding of alleged grammar fascist will gain much traction, especially since the summons he received from the Public Prosecution Service's office contained at least one spelling error. The clerk responsible for composing the summons, we learn, has been sacked and fined the equivalent of $1.45. And if that's the worst they can do, then going after language enthusiasts just doesn't make much sense. Now turning from Russia, we turn to the world of espionage. Spycraft is always a dicey game. Attempting as a spy does to always fly under the radar. But when that flight is literal, well, it's just for the birds. Police in India have arrested a pigeon on charges that it may be a spy from Pakistan. The bird in question was taken into custody last Thursday on suspicion of espionage after being discovered by a 14-year-old boy in a village a few miles from the Pakistani border. The bird, described as looking suspicious, had a stamped message on its body written partly in Urdu, the official language of Pakistan. The bird was x-rayed at police headquarters and although nothing suspicious was found, the pigeon remains in police custody and has been logged as a suspected spy in the official police diary. Fears of the bird carrying some sort of explosive device were unfounded, although the bird has had rather unfortunate bowel issues since its detention that required its cage to be cleaned three times a day. The bird's tattoo has not yet been deciphered, and one Indian official has gone on record as saying this may hold the key to determining the bird's guilt or innocence. Several guesses have been made as to what the script says, ranging from badass bird of doom to an address of a postal drop in Lahore to a name that is basically the Pakistani equivalent of Clarence. The bird is being fed a strict diet of bread and water in an attempt to break its spirit, but so far it's just not squawking. It is described as alive but hostile and uncooperative. When asked if it was a cock or a hen, a police representative said he didn't know, but it certainly wasn't very polite. Several chickens that were with the bird when it was found have also been interrogated, but none have thus far been plucked from the ranks and charged with collaboration. The bird already has a number of defenders saying that pigeons are the unlikeliest of spies, distractible as they are by things like clean windshields. The Geneva Convention isn't specific as to the rights of avian detainees, but certain guidelines have been recommended following the alleged abuse of a duck who was in North Korean custody last year. One must wonder, is it a pet gone astray? 
Another attempt by India to flip Pakistan the bird? Or is it something more sinister in the air? Well, only time will tell. And that's been it for News in My Orbit. Hello chaps, Sir Cornwallis Willoughby here, and I'm supposed to be talking about mopeds. That's right, mopeds. Nothing says plebeian like a moped. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I am sitting down here with a very funny man, a comedian who probably needs no introduction to local listeners, but David Williams, welcome to the podcast. Oh, Emery, thank you so much, buddy. I'm so excited to be here, man. Mm, you are a ball of excitement. Ah, thanks, man. Mm, where does it come from? <laughs> buddy, I don't know, man. I just get all excited, and I think that just portrays my character, man, on stage. I just... A lot of times, like when we went to New York, man, a lot of people are angry comics, man, and I'm, it's just not my style, man. I don't know what it is. Mm, you're not an angry person. No, not mm. really. If you were angry, where do you think the anger would come from? Hmm, I don't know. That kind of shocks me, Emery, because I was kind of raised, man, with, like, my mom, she was real bad on drugs and stuff, and, I mean, uh, you think I'd have a lot to be angry about, but I'm just really not, man. I don't know. I guess I'm a glass half full kind of guy. I love that about you. I am a glass half drunk sort of person. Ah! <laughs> now, you actually talk about your mother and your family situation growing up a lot in your comedy. Is yeah. that where most of your uh, comedic inspiration comes from? Dude, yes, absolutely, man. I tell my granny all the time, like, you're going to make me a lot of money someday, granny. Because mm. she's so goofy. Can I tell you a quick story? Would By that be all okay? Means. By all means. Well, dude, my, uh, my granny just got on Facebook. Uh-oh. Of course she did, right? My 75-year-old granny. Now, Emery, check it out. Not only does she run an account for her, she also runs an account for my 78-year-old grandpa, who doesn't even know what the internet is. Well, why would he? Why would he need that? Well, check it out. She was on uh, Facebook, and she saw one of my comedy pictures, and she posted on my picture, mm-mm-mm, look at my sexy little comedian. (laughs) Do you know how creepy that is? To have your granny say, mm-mm-mm, look at my sexy little comedian is creepy. I suppose it just depends on what kind of relationship you have with your grandmother. And it's even creepier because she was logged into my grandpa's account when she posted it. <laughs> I love that you guys are such an open family, David. That's wonderful. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, that I mean, that is wonderful. I mean, like, I these real-life stories, I don't generally pull from that sort of well. My fake life is much more interesting than my real life. <laughs> but to pull from that kind of inspiration so close to you, it's got to be sometimes rough a little bit, I mean, to kind of bring some of those feelings back from time to time. Or is it easy? Is it is it sort of a catharsis? Does it help you kind of process and get through some emotional things that you had maybe from your past? Well, you know, a lot of times it's stretching the truth, man. Maybe no. It, maybe just to make it a little bit funnier. So I can't sit here and tell you that everything is exactly 100% true, mm. but it's based on a true story. I so. love that. No. <laughs> Speaking of truth, do you still shop at thrift, at uh, garage sales? At garage sales? Well, absolutely. Except mm. we've done kind of got pro at it now. Now we kind of do that thing where we just kind of like drive by the yard sale. Mm. So we kind of look and see if there's anything we want from the car. So you're basically Al Caponing the garage sale, kind of doing a drive by or maybe a Snoop Dogg. I don't know. Like a gangster, yes. Indeed, yes. Mm. With your mind on your money. And, and your my money, money on, on my mind. mind. Yes, wow. And you have to be, because if you're going to garage sales, that's really what you need to be thinking about. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, because it's all about those nickels and dimes. That's right, buddy. Speaking of nickels and dimes, when did you start actually making some money at doing comedy? Dude, I'll never forget it, Emery. I went, oh man, I, I, 
I hate using this comic's name because me and him have a bad history. But you I don't went, have to use it. Okay, I won't. Robert Morgan. It's cool. But anyway, we, we Did went Did he on, touch you? <laughs> no, he didn't touch me. But we went on a business trip to Chicago. And it's like I said, it's another story. A quote unquote business trip. Yeah, mm. exactly. Mm. But it, anyways, man, we get there and uh, we just do an open mic. And it was so cool because a guy came up to me after the show and he said, how long have you been doing comedy? And I was like, you know, I've been doing about six months at the time. And he said, well, dude, how would you like to come back for New Year's and do a New Year's show? Uh, I can pay you $300 to do five minutes of comedy. Mm, let me think about that for just a second. Right? Mm. And, I mean, it, it. I didn't pocket any of it because it paid for my trip. But, you know, I got to do a big-time show, and I was only six months in the game. And I instantly fell in love with it. And you were a baby. Uh, right? A comic baby. That's right. Not, not everyone has had that level of success just kind of starting out. What do you sort of attribute... What do you attribute sort of uh, your early success to or, or, or toward? Emery, buddy, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm thinking it's what you talked about in the beginning, just my happiness and my stage presence. I don't know, man. Like, I'm excited to tell the audience everything that they want to hear. Uh, mm. Sorry, my girlfriend's distracting me. That's okay. <laughs> Girlfriends do distract people. <laughs> Usually, I don't even let them in the studio, but Carolyn's such a lovely, lovely individual. I couldn't say no. That's right. You could have done better. I'll give you a chance. You, you could have, David, I gave you a golden opportunity to win some brownie points because uh, as a man, you know those will be taken away very quickly. Actually, she doesn't do points, man. We've had a whole big discussion about how she doesn't do points. Does she do a start with uh, chart with stickers? Exactly. Mm, mm. I always like the watermelon stickers mm -hmm. or, or the green star. You know, you had the gold, the silver, the red, the blue, and the green. Yeah. Those were my favorite. I just need one more and I get my prize. Oh, I would ask what that is, but I don't think we could put it on the air. <laughs> it's a family show. So where all have you traveled around these great United States of ours? Let's see. Uh, I got to do time in New York City. Guys, this is how committed I am to my comedy. I drove 11 and a half hours, me and Carolyn and a few of our friends, all the way to New York City to get to do six minutes of comedy at the Gotham Comedy Club. It was a talent showcase. And then we drove 11 and a half hours back. So we've been to New York, we've been to Chicago, we've uh, we've been to Indiana, Ohio. Uh, we really want to get out west here real soon, but uh, yeah, that's about it as of right now. Now, David, when you say west, are you talking about the the mecca that is L.A.? Is well, that where you would hope to go? Well, check it out. We uh, we were actually going to move to Los Angeles. Me and Miss Carolyn were. And, uh, but we talked about it and one of her best friends in the whole wide galaxy is a vegan and uh, you just couldn't handle it. I understand. Lives just two hours away from the city. So me and Carolyn, we, we are moving to New York in August. And, oh, uh, you see. Okay. So absolutely. August, that's, that's the time. Yes, sir. August 28th is our last day here in Lexington. Did you just sir me? I did. Emery, it's just my personality, buddy. I'm I told. know. It's the hair, isn't it? It just engenders individuals to sir me. Sometimes people ma'am me. I don't know how I feel about that, but it does happen. It's out of respect, though. I would think so. Usually at the drive-thru, and, well, you know, there's not much respect you can garner when going through a drive-thru, I suppose. But, you know, the thought that counts, right? Mm -hmm. So, August, you're going to New York. Yeah, well, we're excited about it, man. And people always get on me all the time. They go, well, Dave, are you ready? Are you ready to go to New York? Are you ready to hang out with the big dogs? And I've just always been the type of guy that thought, you know, if you wait till you're ready, you're never going to be ready. So we're just ready to, you know, take it by the reins and give her a shot. 
So you're ready to take a chunk out of the Big Apple. Do you guys know what part of the city you might be living in? Oh Maybe my Tribeca. God. I love Tribeca. Uh, I, I have a place there. It's wonderful. I mean, I don't live there. I have a place where I go when I'm there. Mm. I love Tribeca. It's a beautiful place. Maybe Brooklyn. You're going to hang out with some hipsters. Yeah. Well, dude. Go to Queens, man. Oh, Queens is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Well, dude, that it, we've had kind of had it narrowed down to either Queens or Brooklyn, man. She she hit me up the other day, and she goes, oh, my God, baby, look at this beautiful apartment I found in East Harlem. And I was like, that probably ain't what we're looking for. Well, <laughs> you know, the apartment might be nice, but it might be just a shade off of what you're looking for. <laughs> right. I hear it gets dark early there. Yeah. <laughs> Is this thing on? <laughs> um, but no, actually, <laughs> even <laughs> that's good. Even in Harlem, it's a wonderful place, and you should go. There are wonderful opportunities. Oh, we're keeping that. Don't even think that we're. Don't even think. I swear, that, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> No, even in Harlem, the city is amazing. It's wonderful. And I'm just so glad and proud that, that you're going to be able to go there and to re represent people that you know that are close to you, important to you. And it's going to be interesting. You're a man of the South. I think people, if they're hearing this, they know that about you. <laughs> right. And it's going to be a little bit of a culture shock, as you might imagine. Yes. But I will say, if I could give you any advice, uh, being a Northerner myself, it's no different. The people are just as nice. They're just as friendly. They're just as kind. They just maybe show it in a different way. You might not be getting many pecan pies. Maybe some middle fingers on the subway. But I will tell you, yeah. that's all in love. Well, we like I said, we visited there to go do that set at Gotham, man. And just that little bit of time there is just mind-blowing. Just how much stuff That's not is... the only thing that can get blown there. Right? <laughs> it, dude, it's just it's just crazy, man. But, but we're excited, man. You know, a little change up. Like I said, uh, for the last five years, I've just been a guy living here in Lexington hooking up people's oxygen. And I'm, I'm ready to chase my dreams, man. I'm ready to go to New York and do the same thing I'm doing here, just on a bigger scale. How will those people breathe without you? <laughs> well, <laughs> Emory, I actually kind of got let go from my oxygen job a week ago, man. Oh, boy. Yeah, awkwardness. Oh, you want to talk about it? Yeah, kind of. All right, let's talk about it. How did you get let go? What happened? Well, well, there's a story. Well, dude, check it out. I made the foolish decision of telling the place I worked for, Home Care Medical, that... Uh, oh, you're going after them <laughs> on the podcast. I love it. Well, I told them that as of August the 28th, me and Carolyn were moving, so I kind of gave them like a year notice that I was leaving. You really did. That's more than, as an employee, <laughs> that is more than what you had to do. Yes. You, you get a gold star in the booter book, I'll tell you that much. And so I'm thinking that that had a lot to do with it, and uh, we only had two working cars, and we had three technicians, so I mean, they had to get rid of one, so... Might as well get rid of the guy who's leaving in three months anyway. So. Kind of like a trailer park, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, not you. You're not the trailer No, park, no, man. no, no. Hmm. Wow, that's kind of... Hmm. I don't know how I feel about that, David. I mean, I do know how I feel about that. I just don't know what I can express on the, the thing in the microphone. But dude, the joke's on them, man, because I think I might get like 400 a week unemployment just to do comedy, man. So you're just so going to hang out. Sweet. I'm like, I'm going to send them a thank you letter, you, man. You do know you have to like apply for jobs to get that, right? Uh, yeah, of course. Right. Okay. Which, which I will. Of course you will. I'll apply for McDonald's and ask for $15 an hour. And... People have been doing that, David. <laughs> People have been doing that because you know what? They're worth it. 
I think so. Because slinging burgers, plopping cheese, and putting the right amount of ketchup is worth $15 an hour. And making sure that the person gets the right food, man. Mm. I mean, that's... And sometimes they'll put a little extra on your burger if you're a little saucy, if you know what I mean. Dude, we we were at Taco Bell just a week ago, man. I'm the type of guy where my roommate, he gets real upset when people are rude to him. So he got into it with the guy and the food, and I... I'm just babbling, Emery. I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. No, keep going. This is good. Why, why did he get upset? Well, he, no, this is a good story. I think he just saw somebody got ill with him. Somebody was being disrespectful. And so they're arguing. And he gets mad at me because I want to leave. Because I just don't like pissing off people. Am I allowed to say pissing you off? You can say It's a... Uh, the security... The, 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 the people who be say that's okay. Gotcha. Bottom line, the the point of the story is you don't piss off the people that are making you food because they might just put that something extra on your burger like you had just mentioned. Mm, rule number 111. Yeah, so that, that was the moral of that story. I love that. Speaking of morals of the story, David, at this time in the podcast, we always give our guests uh, an opportunity to to share anything they wish. Advice, another funny story, something that you feel like you would want the general audience to know you know, carte blanche, it's it's all you, blank slate, the mic is yours. Okay, Emery, I, I, I've already kind of touched on, up on it a little bit, but what I want to say is, is if you like comedy and you're doing comedy, I think you should go for it. I mean, uh, I've seen comics that I don't think are very funny and I don't think are very talented, but they make it because they have the, they have the grind and the hard work that comes with it. And uh, so that, that's what I want to tell you guys. All you guys, it, the, the short buses, the misters, all y'all are great, and I think all y'all can make it. All, we just we just got to keep on keeping on, man. Kind of like what Joe Dirt said. You got life's a garden, dig it. Mm, life's a garden, dig it. Well, David Williams, no better words have been said on the Buddhaverse up until now. I thank you, my friend, and we'll be right back right after this. Today's episode of the Buddhaverse is brought to you by all those orange crockpots. Those orange crockpots. It's exactly what your grandmother needed to boil your grandfather's dentures. It's now that time in the show when Judy Scheinbaum answers our guests' questions in a segment we like to call The Last Lung with Judy. Judy, you're on the Buddhaverse. Oh, hello, Emery. It's so good to be here. Thank you once again. I just got a manicure, and boy, do my cuticles look delightful. David Williams, you are here. You're a comedian. Let's talk, sweetie. I hear you have some questions for me. First off, Miss Judy, how lovely are you, darling? You're a very pretty young lady, sweetie. Oh, my goodness. You are a flatterer, and I love you already. You know, I mean, not only did I get my nails done, but this beehive is mm, buzzing for you. Miss Judy, I do got some questions, darling. Uh, I don't know if you got to hear it, but I'm actually moving to New York City, and that's where you're from, right? Oh my goodness, of course I'm from New York. I imbibe New York. I embody New York. I am, in, in fact, New York. Excellent. I, well, my question was, is, do you think I'll stand out down there? You know, stand out compared to the other comedians? Oh, sweetie, you'll stand out just in general, but I love that about you. New York City is a wonderful place with wonderful people who do wonderful things. You know, you are a gem. You're a gem in the, you know, you little diamond in the rough. You know, somebody just needs to compress you, sit on you, and just pop out a diamond. It'll be wonderful. You'll love it in New York. Do you have any specific questions about the city? Uh, well, what part of New York are you from? Well, originally I was born in Long Island, I think people know, but now I live in Brooklyn, and sometimes I have a little place over in Manhattan, but we don't like to talk about it because you know the IRS. Mm. <laughs> Your secret's safe with me, Miss Oh, Judy. thank goodness. You know, you have to have a place to just to keep the moo-moos, you know, that I wear. <laughs> 
it's true, I know people say, Judy, you know, you wear moo-moos, what's going on under there? And I say, you know, wouldn't you like to know? Mm. <laughs> uh, Miss Judy, uh, is, there, is there a guy you're seeing? Oh my, you know, no, nobody has ever asked me that question before, but you know what, if you're available, I'd love to see you. Mm. <laughs> Miss Judy, I was just about to ask you if I could bum a cigarette from you. Sweetie, I don't <laughs> smoke. I think people know that. I gave up smoking years ago, and people, you know, ask me, how is it giving up smoking? And I say it's very easy. It's like one, two, three. It's like making a pancake or having a nuclear launch coat. Do you smoke? I do. Yes, ma'am. I do. Well, hon, this is my only advice to you. Go behind a corner and don't let anyone see you. You know what I mean? Um... <laughs> I-, I smoke cigars. Just when we're playing poker, you know. Sure, I smoked a few cigars in my day, but don't tell any of my ex-husbands, though. Miss mm. <laughs> Judy, I got the world's biggest question. I just need to know, if are you ready? Fasten your seatbelt, darling. Ready for what? You get one answer, okay? Which one of these do you want the most? Now, do you want Taco Bell delivery or McDonald's breakfast 24 hours a day, and why? Oh, sweetie, this is a question I haven't even thought about before. Well, my goodness, um, well, we don't have a lot of fast food in the city, but I like to go to Nathan's. I get a little hot dog every now and again, you know. Listen, I think people know that sometimes in a Moomo, it's hard to go around the town. I mean, I'm a lady about town, but sometimes it's difficult, you know. So if Taco Bell ever delivered, I think they could ring my bell. Okay, excellent answer. I feel the same way, Miss Judy. We're kindred spirits. We're two different people of a different, you know, whatnot. That's right. I, I hear you got a daughter, Miss Judy. What, what's, what's the story about your daughter? Oh, Eliza. I've been trying to get that woman married for decades. She just doesn't want to marry. I don't know. I can't find any Shpamil to marry her. It's horrible. I talk to my rabbi. He doesn't tell me anything. It's that bad. H- how old is she? Well, she's about 32. How old are you, sweetie? Ooh. I'm 26, darling. Listen, if you're not doing anything Saturday, when you come up to New York, you can always, you know, meet my daughter. Well, Miss Judy, I'll be honest with you. I've always been more into older women. Well, how old? Because I'm available, sweetie. <laughs> Miss Judy, how old are you, darling? I would never say, because, you know, after husband number five, I just kind of called it quits. But for you, well, you know, who knows? Mm. Well, that conversation just might have to be continued. Oh, I'd love that. Well, now, my dear friend David Williams, it's now that time in the show where we give you your final question. What's it going to be, sweetie? Make it a good one. All right. Let's see here, Miss Judy. I, I got a question for you, darling. Uh, who is, I- I'm assuming you like comedy. Uh, this podcast is a lot about comedy. Who's your favorite comedian and why? Oh, I loved it. Chris Tucker. He just does something for me, you know. I haven't seen him in forever. I don't know if he's been on stage, but hello. With those Jackie Chan movies, it's like... Here's my impression of Jackie Chan from Rush Hour. Kaya! Yeah, okay, that failed. <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> thank you. No, thank you. And we'll be right back right after this. I love you all. Hey, everybody. It's Marsha Houlihan here from Mishawaka, Wisconsin. And I'm here to talk about staple guns. That's right. Staple guns. It's just as fun as my Ot-12. And now, for today's Booter Thought. If you're like me, you love a good cookout, but it can't be just any old cookout. No, I need a pig, and I need it on a spit, and I need it rotating at 40 miles an hour. That's right, 40 miles an hour. I want my pig flying so fast, it makes Superman look like an octogenarian. 
That's right, there's nothing like a pig with an apple in its mouth rolling around and around and around and around, getting the exact, precise heat that it absolutely deserved. Not since one was sent to hell was there ever a better metaphor for a sinner in action. And I'd like to tell you, I'd like a piece of that. I think you understand that when we're talking about barbecue, it has to be supple, it has to be sweet, and it has to be fast. Just like many of your relationships. Now, I'm not judging you, but I'm saying not everything can happen as fast as a barbecue. Not everyone is going to bring you sides in life. No, you have to make your own path. But let me tell you, if you do, you'll be better for it. That's right, if you mash your own potatoes or burn your own wiener, you're going to feel better about yourself for having tried. And I think people know that a burnt wiener is better than no wiener at all. So if you're me, go to a cookout that doesn't just have burgers but has a pig on a spit. And that's been it for today's Booter Thought. Buddha. Here at the Booterverse, we'd like to send a special thanks to David Williams for being on the show. We'd also like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. Of course, we'd like to thank Courtney and Sonny, who help on the production side, and to Quadrants, who composed our theme song. If you haven't had enough of me here, I'm also everywhere on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the handle The Booter. And of course, we're also on Pinterest, because, you know, men should be on Pinterest. I know interstellar travel is a bit difficult, but the Booterverse is only a click away.